following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30. to Box Office 30 for May 1992. I'm Pete, and as usual, I'm joined by my good buddy and co-host, Michael. How are you doing, sir? I'm too old for this stuff, man. (laughs) Feel free to say it. (laughs) Too old for this shit. (laughs) I really wanted to, but it's like, hey, you know what? Who knows who's listening? There's families that might be listening in their car. Maybe. You know what? Like, I, I... I we started off earlier. I was thinking about this recently that we started off in the earlier days of this podcast, like really trying to keep keep it clean, a clean show here. And I've added many a beep uh, over time. But the thing is, we keep getting all these voted movies in that are like PG thirteen and R rated movies. <laughs> They're chock full of all sorts of content, let alone any kind of curse words that. Even if we're discussing the content, it's probably already not family friendly. And I haven't added that explicit tag anywhere onto the podcast yet. But if you're a Box Office 30 listener, by now it's clear we drop a few um, bad words from time to time. <laughs> so uh, I, I will say, though, George what? Carlinisms of them all. <laughs> I will say, though. Uh, one of the movies on our our list of selections this month, uh, I have a lot to say about it. It wasn't the movie that was ultimately voted for, but there may be curses involved in <laughs> that movie in particular. So. Fair enough. Um, well, I thought we'd get going right away tonight and uh, take a look at what's new and new to you. Okay, um, I've got a few for once. Maybe okay. I'll, I'll start us off. Um, so uh, I think I mentioned this to you offline, um, but it's well worth mentioning since it's like the ongoing saga of this discussion. Mm-hmm. I finally saw No Time to Die. 
Okay. Yes. Okay, <laughs> um, so I think you and I chatted a skosh offline about this, but um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, you sort of said to me, like, let me guess, you, you hated it. And I'm like, no, on the contrary, I think this is actually my favorite of the Daniel Craig series of Bond movies. Um, and again, like we, we discussed this in the past episodes, feel free to go back and listen to the past few. We've been discussing Bond a lot lately. Um, but this was a lot of fun. I really liked a lot of the premise of this. I really liked the use of the characters in this. Um, and for me, you know, I felt like I was saying to you, I wanted a Batman movie that was a dark Knight detective movie. And we got that. And I kept saying, I wanted a bond movie where there was like, gadgets and he was doing goofy stuff with the car again and you know all that sort of thing and it all was there so i i actually rather um liked this and i thought if this is going to be his send-off which i don't know i don't know how deep we want to talk about this maybe baby spoiler alert you know if you haven't seen this movie go la 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 obviously he gets killed at the end or we're led to believe he's pretty killed at the end given the circumstances yeah um but then as you said you know james bond will return as always at the end of all these things and i think in some of these past couple of films they especially this one they really rule out the idea of like james bond being like the doctor who sort of thing where different human beings are just incorporate you know like essentially living under that name He's really and truly James Bond, and they have a new person in as 007. Blast for me, you know? Um, for me, funny enough, uh, her character, and I'm, I'm sorry to say I'm blanking on her name at the moment, was kind of the weakest part of the movie for me. His wife? Um, no, the, uh, the, the woman who oh, the takes female, over as 007. The female 007, yes. Because he gets sent on that mission to like Havana and he gets teamed up with, I guess she's like a CIA operative. And she's like, oh, I just got done training and everything. She was awesome. She was a ton of fun. Yes. Really good on-screen presence. Um, but the one who was like 007, I felt like they didn't really give her a ton to do. Yeah. Except for sort of be like, I'm 007 now. Does that bother you? And then like, and they like sent her on like side missions where she was yeah, just kind of go and like, she stuff. caught like a little bit of respect for him finally. And was like, I'd like him to be reinstated as 007. And that was like basically her role in the movie. Yeah. You know, like, like kind of like a tag along role. Like she didn't stand out. Whereas that other girl that was like the CIA. Yeah. Um, pick Paloma. up, like she was like, you know, like, kind of a lot of fun to watch in that scene. So yeah. I, I don't know. They kind of did the, uh, the new 007 dirty. If, if she is in fact going to be the new 007 heading here on out, I don't know, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Um, interesting, yeah. but, but yeah. I really enjoyed it. The, the girl you're mentioning in, in that, uh, Havana scene is, is Anna de Armas, who is all over the place all of a sudden in a ton of movies. And she's a fantastic act- actress who, I watched an interview about her recently. She only learned to speak English like in the last four or five years. And yeah. She's mostly like Spanish speaking films. And she's fantastic in that movie, in that whole scene. So I, I think one of the other sort of things is that the bad guy and, you know, like all of the, the James Bond villains, even in the recent movies have been pretty arch and, and whatever. But the bad guy was literally in like an island mountain fortress. And I was like, this is so perfect. Like, yeah. this is exactly the thing. It's like, you know, Dr. Evil's volcano. Yes. Like, this is definitely what I'm looking for in the Bond movies. So I was happy <laughs> to see a, a return to that. That's funny. 
So, okay. I will say I have attempted to watch several movies. I tried Nightmare Alley, turned it off. <laughs> I tried, uh, what was it called? Um, Death in the Nile, turned it off. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Let's just put a pin on that one for a second. I watched the trailer for that, and I got to tell you, like, I really liked Gal Gadot's first um, Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. Um, but after the second one, I was like, eh. And then, yeah. like, I don't know. I'm just kind of off her at the moment. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that one was going to go. But I actually quite like – what is that? It's not um, – it's not, that's not Clouseau, is it? What what the heck is the name of the that uh, inspector? Is it Clouseau? Oh, uh, um, the Belfast director's um, main character. I I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm blanking on it, but like you know, uh, the it's kind of like an important like uh, liter literature character, but um, I don't know, like just something about the trailer with that movie. I was just like, meh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other movie that I tried to watch, and I'm going to try to go back in it, was um, Promising Young Woman. And okay. it's a it's a focus fe- features movie. Puro. Uh, Sorry, I had to look it up. Hercule Puro. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I started watching it, and it made me very uncomfortable, and therefore I turned it off. But then I read some stuff about it. And I'm like, all right, maybe I'll go back and give it a give it a whirl. But I haven't watched it. You've been heading a little more highbrow in your um, movie tries lately. <laughs> you know, I really want to see uh, everything always all at once, but I haven't seen that yet. There's uh, a number of movies that are kind of in that Oscar crowd um, that, unfortunately, I just have not had time to see and really do want to see, but. Um, which I don't I don't know if I mentioned this particular movie that I've watched yet or not. If I have, you can tell me and I can cut it out. Um, have you watched The Adam Project? We started to talk about this, and basically I think where we left off was that um, you enjoyed it, said it was a very cute movie and well done. And I have repeatedly looked through Netflix going, hmm, I'd really like something to watch. And I keep seeing that and going like, I really want to watch this, but not right now. And, and like somehow that keeps turning into like, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to see this thing like two years from now when I remember to do it again. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, I've been trying to try like, you know, do the best picture thing and, and yeah. see a bunch of like highbrow movies. I saw but, some of the shorts. Like I saw um, Robin Robin, uh, which was actually very cute. Um, highly recommend it, uh, especially for the kids. That's cool. Um I've been much more lowbrow and kid friendly in, in my other movies with the other two recent um, in theater watches being Sonic 2 and The Bad Guys. Now, um, Bad Guys, I was pleasantly surprised with. I guess this is based off a book series from like Scholastic or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but my older daughter was like, oh, I want to see that. I want to see that from like the trailers. And I was like, okay, well, you know. Um, and uh, it actually turned out to be. Uh, pretty enjoyable movie. So I I was pleasantly surprised with that one, but Sonic two, I'd like to take a moment to just stop and really appreciate the Sonic, the Hedgehog franchise that's evolving here before our eyes, because if everybody remembers a few years back, they kind of put out the first, Oh, remember that first image and it looked just awful and everything. And and then melted the internet for about two days. (laughs) Yeah. and, And the fans were complete. And the movie, 
studio did something unprecedented, which was like, we're going to push this way back and redo it and make you guys happy. Yeah. And they did. And it came out and it was awesome. Like they did a really much better job of it. It's like, you know, goofy and cornball, definitely meant for kids. But I, I, it was really something to kind of witness that happen because very, very seldom in the film industry do studios take any kind of like, you know, feedback from your average movie going audience and be like, let's incorporate this before the movie comes out, you know? Um, so that was pretty impressive. But what I came out of that movie thinking to myself, because it, it was, again, just like a lot of fun. Um, Jim Carrey's, you know, like just going crazy in every scene. And it's fun to see him kind of return to that sort of wackier Jim Carrey type right. of character. I was simultaneously happy having watched it, but sad in realizing, especially on the more recent news of like Ezra Miller beats up somebody in Hawaii again, sort of thing Mm -hmm. that the DC universe cannot get themselves into a proper franchise state. Yeah. Half as well as Sonic, the fricking hedgehog. (laughs) I was like, again, Spoiler alert. I don't know if you're going to see this movie or anything anytime soon. No, but obviously they bring in tails. They bring in knuckles. A lot of fun. You know, like Sonic two was like my jam growing up. Sonic three came out and it blew my mind. And at the end of this movie in the post credits scene, they introduce shadow the hedgehog. And I'm like, (gasps) you know, because that's like (laughs) next to Sonic in the Sonic games, probably like the most popular Sonic character. And I'm like, I cannot believe that they're pulling the Marvel thing or the DC thing doing after credit scenes and dropping like, here's our next thing. It's shadow the hedgehog. It's like, I, it, it's so cracks me up that this is like the new normal for like this type of like blockbuster franchise set of films. And like, meanwhile, old dark DC is just like floundering and floundering. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe they got to take a note out of Sonic's book or something. <laughs> yeah. But between, between the drama with, you know, Ezra Miller and the ongoing yet fascinating Amber Heard, Johnny Depp trial. Oh, uh, it's like how DC can't get a break, man. Like it's this crazy. thing between the two of them. Like I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but now that you did, I'm going to mention it. <laughs> it's like the very definition of a train wreck. Like I couldn't care less. And yet I can't look away. Like for some reason, my Facebook and my YouTube have decided I'm really interested in this yes, topic. Right. And they are just like pounding. Like all of a sudden my YouTube has all these new recommended channels that are just like, like I opened the, the homepage and it's showing me Johnny Depp, case. Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard. And I'm like, where's my actual subscription stuff? Yeah. Like I'm not seeing any of that in lieu of this. Here's my line on both of them. They both seem like terrible people that are terrible for each other. And we're all terrible for paying any attention to it. <laughs> Thank you. It's like it's one of those things where there's so many more horrible things happening in the world. Why do we as a people care about th- these two folks? And it just seems like the whole thing is, is just really gross and embarrassing. And I kind of can't believe they're not just like settling out of court or whatever that they're right. parading this through. You know, the whole 
thing with this thing is that it's a defamation lawsuit. She writes her article saying he's a wife beater. He comes out and gives proof and evidence that she has, in fact, been beating him up and everything. And the whole thing centers around his lawyer and her lawyer throwing jabs back and forth, just trying to prove that both of their careers are tanking because of things that the other one has said or done or this and that. This case, is this tanking. public thing, is going to completely wreck their careers forever. Correct. Because every little disgusting, dirty thing that they've ever said or done to each other is pouring out in such an unfathomable amount and speed. What I want to Nobody's going to want to touch these two for the next 10, 20 years. How <laughs> do they have so many recordings of all these events? That's the other, but yeah, well, it, it, it's gross. Cause like, you know, that's the funny part. And it's a weird sort of thing that again, you know, I think there's a lot of people out on the web that are sort of looking at this as like a me too gotcha. Like there's been so many cases of, um, women that have um, had problems, i.e. Weinstein stuff, things like that, that have come out and it's kind of pushed this one thing that I think that there's kind of all these like stands for Johnny Depp on the web now that are like, look, a man can be beat up too. And it sounds like that well and truly is the case. You know, Amber Heard definitely sounds like she's a terrible person given some of the stuff she's selling these recordings and everything. But the fact that he's like cool as old school, like sitting there, recording these things and being like, listen, can we just discuss this? And I mean, it's just like, he knows he's recording. He's right. not going to fly off the handle and be like, you bitch, you know, like whatever. Exactly. So they are both disgusting, gross people. And I'm so sick and tired of seeing their faces and hearing it on the thing. It's a bummer because um, Angel disagree with me, but I liked her as Mera in the Aquaman me movies. Too. I love him as Captain Jack Sparrow. But if I never see either of them in anything again, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I just want them to leave my YouTube and Facebook alone now because I'm so sick of seeing them the past week. I feel the same way. There you go. Well, there's some pleasant uh, <laughs> intro here. You got any more uh, new or new to you? That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. Let's do this thing. Let's find out where we're at in this month's Box Office 30. Okay, welcome to May 1992. We're going to start pulling the gloves off here because this is when things finally start getting interesting. And oh boy, did we have a fun and close and insane vote this month. But let's talk a little bit about our top films to start. So number one on the list for May is Lethal Weapon 3 with a May gross of $83.8 million. Wow, the summer season has hit. <laughs> we went from all these past weeks, the top movie being like 40-ish, 30-ish, sometimes 20-ish, to 83.8. I remember when we were younger, it used to always be like May is when the movies come out. And apparently that's the thing because, wow, that's a big box office uh, given what we've seen for some of the other films recently. Um, and to compare that, in a far distant number two is Alien 3, which is another big franchise with just $31.6 million in earnings. Mm -hmm. So we're talking a $50 million difference between these two movies launching this month. That's pretty uh, 
substantial, if you yeah. ask me. Now, given Alien does come out a week later than Lethal Weapon 3 on, on the May 22nd, um, but still surprising that, that Lethal Weapon with only half a month, May 15th onward, um, does this huge, huge number. I knew those movies were big. I don't think I realized they were this big as far as box office went. You know, I felt like my uh, foray into them was more on the VHS side of things. Um, and hanging at number three spot is Basic Instinct, yet again, with uh, $21.8 million. Um, last month's featured film, White Men Can't Jump, drops down to the number seven spot with only $12.1 million in May. So, like I said, thanks as usual to everyone who voted in our listener poll and for Retro Network and several other sources this time around for sharing it. We had some um, kind of uh, Brandon Fraser uh, <laughs> pickups out there on Twitterverse uh, that, were, that we're trying to move this along to. Uh, again, this month's voting was an epic back-and-forth battle that was shared several times. And uh, the movie in the lead changed hands repeatedly until the final two days when the winner built up enough steam to coast the rest of the way over the finish line. And the results are as follows. In fourth place, with a sad little 6.8% of the vote was far and away, with 11% of the vote, which surprised me. I was thinking this was going to be higher, and I think you were fearing this was going to be higher, Mm -hmm. was Alien 3. And then with 38.1% of the vote, I'm sorry to see that it didn't make it. It was the underdog here in Sino Man, uh, leaving Lethal Weapon 3 to be our featured film this month with 44.1% of the vote. Un- well, excuse me, 118 total votes. Thank you all again. Always love all this voting going back and forth. I have to say we've had months where we've done these polls where there's been a very definitive winner. We've had some months where it's gone back and forth a little bit in the beginning, and then we have a very clear thing. I cannot remember a time that the vote was so damn close Mm -hmm. as it was this month between Lethal Weapon 3 and Encino Man to the point that in the first like three to four days, very often they were tied exactly the same percent yeah. and i was like i wonder what we do in the, the, when we have a tiebreaker because we haven't faced something like that and i was for sure that we were going to end up with it there was times where encino man had a huge lead over lethal weapon three mm-hmm. um to see them juxtaposing back and forth was so funny and i have to say as far as a lot of the comments on the poll went Lots of Encino Man, Brandon Fraser love. So the fact that it did end up with Lethal Weapon 3, there was a quieter but ultimately louder (laughs) contingent of voters that were throwing their hat in for that one. So I don't know who that ultimately ended up being, but lots of love for Encino Man uh, and fond remembrances from from people on the actual comments on Twitter. So Mm -hmm. again, thank you all for voting. It was super fun from this side of uh, of the thing to watch it. So... Uh, I have to say I'm a little bummed out that Encino Man didn't make it. I I think I sort of said at the end of last episode, like, I would be happy with any of these, and that really still stands uh, for me. But uh, I, as the voting was progressing, I, I got, like, a real soft spot <laughs> in my heart for that. And I was really let down when it didn't quite make it. So maybe we'll throw it up in the uh, wild card pitch in, in some of the coming months here. For some reason, we have uh dregs that we uh well i w- i will say I'll, I'll make you this offer um because i have already covered batman returns 
through Wizards podcast, maybe in lieu of Batman Returns, we'll put it on the list for for June. Yeah, which is kind of what I'm thinking. And I know you and I, I think we even discussed this on the podcast previously and, and have kind of agreed on that on Batman Returns so as not to make you um, run through it again. Um, although I think it might be the number one grossing movie for 1992. So <laughs> we're kind of sh- shooting ourselves in the foot as far as the uh, theory of this podcast goes, but that's all right. But, uh, you know, we have stuff coming up in June, like Sister Act and Patriot Games. So um, I don't know where Encino Man will land against those sort of, you know, long-term favorites. So we'll see. Um, maybe we'll what I, it up what, I the, can, uh, what I can say is maybe we'll drop in our feed a bonus episode of when I covered Batman Returns. Yeah, I think that's a, an excellent idea for sure. Uh, we probably should have done that this past month, which was like a three Friday month, but I don't know. We'll see if, if we can, we'll we can squeeze that somewhere. Not that the, the bonus has to be on Fridays, but we'll figure it, it out. Maybe it'll be for 4th of July. Who knows? I digress. We'll yeah, there you go. Um, so, uh, so let's run down our, our list here in May. Um, so lethal weapon three is number one. We'll return to that in a little bit for our recall segment, but you were spooked when you saw that Alien 3 was on the list here. So uh, what's your recollection of uh, Alien franchise or Alien 3? Uh, they all kind of blur together to me. They all terrify me. Um, this is the one that I think she – doesn't she die at the end or like sort of die and the alien bursts out of her stomach and she falls into like the pit of lava or – fire so i'm gonna admit that i also get fuzzy around alien 3 i think this is the one that takes place on like a prison colony sort of thing um i much more am fond of um one and two uh and uh from there i i you know i'm i'm more of a predator person than i am an alien person to Mm -hmm. begin with um but uh yes she does die in one of them but then i think she also gets cloned in or one of them and that might be this um and then you end up with like i think i remember from alien 3 there also being like these like alien dogs and we start realizing that like the alien when it you know goes from the face hugger stage actually starts taking on aspects of a particular host or something like that so mm-hmm. i don't know i i what i do recollect about alien 3 was that it's definitely not as beloved as one and two that people kind of mutually go like, yeah, it exists, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure there's people out there that, that love it to death, but I just remember it not being quite as uh, big a deal as the earlier ones. So there you go. All right. uh, Number four on our list is far and away. Um, This so cracked me up because this is, again, I was talking maybe a month or two ago about um, the power of one and how, my intro to that movie was via my social studies teacher and my language arts teacher in middle school mm-hmm. showing me that movie. They showed me this one too. Really? <laughs> Which leads Arnold, me to like- believe I might've just watched a bunch of movies in sixth or seventh or eighth grade. <laughs> a lot of substitutes. Yeah. No, like, no, it was like genuinely the actual teachers. It wasn't even the substitute teachers. And like, the more I started thinking about it, I'm like, wow, we watched a lot of movies. Cause we watched, schindler's list at a point we had to get like special permission to to watch that one from parents oh wow um and i was starting to really rack my brains we saw a bunch of movies so like for some reason those two must have been cinephiles or something i i really started to realize it like as i've been thinking about these movies recently 
that I saw a lot of these movies <laughs> via being in school. Um, there was another one too. Um, I don't remember if it was if it was North and South. I don't know. There was there was another one that was about like a Civil War um, detainment camp that we watched. That was. Uh, it also in that class. So we might, we watched like a lot of movies. Like it was like where they, especially wow. cause like stuff like wow, far wow. away is like a long movie a long and movie. they would like split it over like several days. So like for several days of a week, we'd be like just watching the movie in school. So I don't know, maybe that explains some things about me grown up. <laughs> it might. Um, but uh, I don't know. Do you have a recollection of, of far and away, far and away, Tom Cruise, Cruise, Nicole Kidman, I think very Irish accent, not yes. necessarily a good one, but very Irish. <laughs> I I believe they're coming from Ireland and trying to settle in the West. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, they they head out West. I mean, like it's kind of like a long story. Like it, it kind yeah. of starts with them, I think, meeting and then, you know, like falling in love, whatever. And then the movie kind of ends with them like in like staking a claim out in the West. And right. I think he gets killed. Um, while they're in the process of doing that, he gets shot. Um, and it's like, oh, sad ending. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I liked it when I was younger. I don't know how it would hold up if I watched it again now. Um, but I don't know. I have to imagine it's okay with the two of them. I just remember it being really long. So yeah. that would maybe be the one downside to it. <laughs> and, and it says on here it's only two hours and 20 minutes, but it feels like it was longer than that for some reason. Yes. Okay, now... Again, maybe we won't go on too deep a dive here in case we do end up doing this one a little further down the road. But number five is Encino Man. I loved this movie when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, like, I I know that you have a very different feeling about Pauly Shore. And I think Pauly Shore is one of these extremely divisive characters like a carrot top or whatever, where people either love them or they hate them. And you sound like you're in the in the latter boat. I don't necessarily – I mean, I just said that, but I don't necessarily have a strong feeling one way or another. I just sort of recognize him as a product of the time. <laughs> you know, um, I think he has a podcast these days. I haven't heard it. Um, did you watch Encino Man? <laughs> I have seen Encino Man. I do enjoy most of the movie except for Paulie Shore. I, to this day – Still do not understand how that man has a career. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand how it happened. It doesn't make any sense. It's impossible. It makes no sense that he had a career at all. So it makes me very angry. <laughs> so Yeah, I, I don't know. This movie, like, there's a part of me that wants to really go back and watch it now just because it's been so long since I've seen it. But, like, I have such clear recollections because I probably watched this on VHS, like, way too many times um, with Brandon Fraser being a caveman who <laughs> during the ice age, um, essentially I think they have like, he falls down like a crack or something and um, gets frozen. Um, yeah. And then in current day, I think LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, it's Encino. So yes. Yes. There you have it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Derp. <laughs> um, they find him and they like thaw him out like, they, I think they're like trying to make a pool in their backyard and they find him, which doesn't really make sense, <laughs> but whatever. So they thaw him out and like teach him to be like a mind, you know, nineties guy. And um, it's so silly because, 
you know, it's like Brendan Fraser being just totally goofy with like his weird goofy hairstyle and everything like that. And of course he becomes like the, the high school hero, you know, and he starts to like learn basic speech and things like that. I think his name's Link. I think they name him that after like the missing link. It's so fuzzy in my head. I think the other main character in this was Sean Astin, if I'm remembering correctly. I would bend. Yeah, I think so. It's Paulie Shore, Sean Astin, and Brendan Fraser. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then ultimately at the end of the film, I can't remember exactly how it ends, except to say that like his cave woman, like partner or whatever from the beginning of the movie, like, they find her, so he gets, like, all excited and, like, happy ending or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, like, I it was think just they such for a, a sequel, and they never got a sequel, so. <laughs> I think they made a TV movie. Let me look it up quick um, because I feel like I have, like, a, I don't think I ever saw it, but I feel like I have a vague recollection. Yeah, um the aptly named Encino woman. Yes. Yeah. So I, I don't think I ever saw it. I don't know if it's even got the same people in it, but um, that existed. <laughs> yeah. It does not look like it went well though. <laughs> well, the made for t- television part is the uh, key factor there because that's not like today. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, so there's Encino man. Maybe we'll get a chance to look at it in a, in a deeper uh in a deeper sort of respect. Okay. So number 13, um, another movie that I've probably seen way, way, way too many times. And again, we'll probably be on the voting for next month. Sister act, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg. Um, I, <laughs> this movie is so funny because having come from a Catholic upbringing um, and maybe not understanding a hundred percent of the situation of, especially at the age I was at that, like she was like a prostitute and things like that in the beginning of the movie. Um, I don't know the, this movie. And then sister act two were definitely watched and rewatched like way too a many million times. times in my house. I mean, and I'm like really curious, like again, how these movies would hold up in like the 30 year prism because it's just been so, so long yeah. since I've seen them. You know, um, I do remember the music being a ton of fun. Um, and this was which, on like if there was anything I ever liked about oh for sure like yeah absolutely if there was anything I ever liked about my religious upbringing at the time it was definitely the music end of things so this movie was very appealing to me on that front mm-hmm. I've definitely since lost <laughs> religion so again I that's why I'm curious how I would feel about this movie later um, but you know I think it just has a lot of like the uh tropes of things I grew up with, but I'm just curious from like a more multi multicultural perspective, like what people would think about this movie and sort of what it represents now. But um, I don't remember, I guess it's, I can't remember if it's this one or the second one where like the whole thing is that they have, I guess it's the first one they have. The first one she's like trying to like, no, the first one she's trying to help them like reinvigorate the course to get people to come back to the church. Yeah. I think the second one, they go off on like a talent thing, like a, like a singing competition or something. She's like the the (laughs) choir teacher for like a high school or something like that. And, and has to teach them how to sit. It's almost, I don't know. Think of it as like the, the, the prelim to pitch perfect and pitch perfect. too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, we're actually moving down this list pretty quick here. Yeah, yeah, go for it. 17 is a movie called 
Folks, starring Tom Selleck. I literally have never heard of this movie in my entire life. Uh, it says, a slightly self-absorbed yuppie takes in his parents, including their his senile father, after their home burns down, but has personal and professional life fall apart soon after. Yeah, this one rings no bells for me whatsoever. No bells. <laughs> no bells, Tom Selleck. And I do have to say, I think that's going to be somewhat a lot of this list yeah. <laughs> here on outward. There's things that seem like they should make sense or, or that I would know them, but um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not confident if that's 17 as we go down the list. Uh, actually, 22 I do know, but we'll go to 19 first. So number 19 is a movie called Split Second. Um, I don't know who's in this movie, <laughs> but it says... In a flooded future London, Detective Harvey Stone hunts a serial killer who murdered his partner and has haunted him ever since. He soon discovers what he is hunting might not be human. Ro-ro. <laughs> Starring Rutger Howard and Kim Cattrall. Nice, really? <laughs> yeah, nice, really. <laughs> wow, that's pretty spectacular. I right, said so number 22, as well as you're saying, I feel like I should know. K2 was a skiing movie because there was, a, there was a, a series of like movies related to skiing or like winter sports. And it says a U.S. climbing team finds funded by a millionaire uh, is determined to conquer K2, which is like a giant mountain. And I don't know, skiing and jumping and falling and you know, try not to die kind of thing. Uh, there's, a, there's a better version of this movie a couple years later starring Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, let's see here. A number 23 on our list is a movie called Crisscross. Um, Make you want to jump, jump? That's what came to my mind, but unfortunately has nothing to do with that. A 12-year-old boy comes of age in 1969 Key West against the backdrop of the Apollo moon landing when he begins to sell cocaine so his mother can stop stripping. What? Fabulous. What? <laughs> How does the Apollo moon landing have anything to do with it? Uh, uh, this stars Goldie Hawn, Arliss Howard, and James Gammon. Wow. I know Goldie Hawn, at least. The other ones seem less... The, the kid know. looks familiar. Yeah, although I don't know. I don't, he's not immediately coming up in the uh, list of the top actors, so I don't necessarily know who he is. Let me actually look him up on uh, – when IMDb fails, head to Wikipedia. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Amit? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who that is. It just says David Arnott as Criss Cross. I, I get the impression he might be like a one and done. Mm -hmm. So now we jump actually no. Uh, he he goes on to have if it's the same guy. The kid looks very familiar. Yeah, he. So interestingly enough, like he goes on to have a career in voice acting. Um, like he does some more voice sort of acting in different series. And then he's also like a writer and like a, like a crew member on just like a bunch of things. So 
Um, I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> but yes, yeah, he does look like somebody you should recognize, but yet I, I don't know. Apparently not. <laughs> so the next one on the list is 27, which is Poison Ivy, not to be related to the Batman villain. Um, and it says a seductive teen befriends an introverted high school student and schemes her way into the lives of her wealthy family. This one I actually do remember a little bit. Really? Yeah. I I haven't seen it in years and years, but it had um, Sarah Gilbert from um, Roseanne. and Yes. Thank you. And then Drew Barrymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I don't know. I just, I saw this a long, 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 long time ago, some point in the nineties. I think some friends and I like watched it, um, but I, uh, um, that's about as much as I can tell you about it. <laughs> I don't really remember too much about it after all this time. You got more than I got. So there you go. Funny enough, I'm just like looking it up just to like make sure I'm not insane. And apparently Leonardo DiCaprio is in this movie. Everybody's had to start somewhere. It says Leonardo DiCaprio as guy as Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Weird. All right. Number 28 is a movie called Leaving Normal. Now, again, this sounds like something I should know, but I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't think it is. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> All right. So uh, uh, because we the next one is literally a Miramax movie, I'm going to list off a bunch of these and we can return to any that might Dude, have. Uh, there's a lot of this list that are all like nobody knows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is because uh, Lethal Weapon 3 is apparently hogging the whole box office. So at number 31 and onward here, we have Europa, Turtle Beach, Wild Orchid 2, Two Shades of Blue. I really like that they did a uh, electric boogaloo rhyme with that one. Um, the Water Dance, Night on Earth, One False Move, Diary of a Hitman, Incident at Old Lala, Ruben and Ed, Cabeza de Vaca, The Adjuster, The Vagrant, and Who Shot Pat. All the way down at the bottom, earning just $2,343 in one theater. <laughs> Is that the same? Interestingly, movie? it's a Sandra Bullock movie. Really? Interesting. I mean, I guess it must be. It's before indie? Demolition Man. <laughs> it's definitely before Demolition Man. Okay, so this is. I guess it's maybe a re release? Because on Wikipedia, it says uh, Who Shot Pat, promoted as Who Shot Patakengo, is a 1989 movie starring Sandra Bullock. And it was released for all of two days. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe it was like some just weird limited release that, that made it into the uh, box office list here. Um, otherwise, I don't think I recognize any of these movies. I am curious what Wild Orchid 2 Two Shades of Blue is, though. In 1958, California, a teenage girl goes to work as a prostitute in a high-class brothel after the death of her father. Well, there you have it. <laughs> I was going to say it's something to do with sex. <laughs> <laughs> but now, like, what is Wild Orchid 1, you have to wonder? I don't know. <laughs> it seems like there's a whole... Um, uh, 
rabbit hole you can fall down here. A nineteen Wild Orchid is a nineteen eighty nine American erotic film. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you have it. So this is the type of thing that you'll find on uh, Skinamax at like two in the morning on a on a free preview weekend or something. I guess. <laughs> do they do that anymore? I don't know, but I sure <laughs> hope they do. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap it up for our box office thirty this month. Let's take a look instead and see what we can recall about Lethal Weapon three. Okay, Lethal Weapon 3 is written and directed by Richard Donner, who, of course, has a prolific directing career. Um, I normally list a bunch of movies here like you'd be learning something, but come on, Dick Donner. Um, You know what? I'm going to anyway. Superman, The Omen, The Goonies, Scrooged. All four Lethal Weapons. (laughs) I mean, come on. He's an 80s and 90s icon. Um, the film stars Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, Joe Pesci, who's having a year, and Rene Russo, among others. And on top of its 83.8 million May run, it goes on to make $145 million domestic on a $35 million budget. It's the second most successful summer movie for 1992 after Batman Returns and the fifth highest overall for the year. And with its worldwide take of $320 million, it's the highest grossing film in the entire franchise. Really? That's interesting. So let us try and recall Lethal Weapon 3. What have you got? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I could tell you vividly one and two and four. So two I remember the best. And in particular, I remember very much the towards the end of the movie scene with him on the toilet waiting for it to explode. <laughs> I think that was actually my intro to yes, the Lethal did. Weapon movies. I'm fairly sure that my mom at Caldor's had bought my dad a like two or three or maybe four box set of these movies. I just don't remember when well, um, the, she bought it. The fourth one came out closer to like the later nineties. Yeah. Cause, Cause it was actually the first DVD I ever bought. Was so it might've been like a three box set that she bought of these movies. And so that was my intro to these. I did not see these in the theater. Um, but my dad laughing his butt off at, I'm too old for this shit. And uh, <laughs> like, you know, he's he's getting ready to retire and he's, you know, all this sort of thing. And he doesn't want to get blown up on the toilet. Um, the third movie is the oh, one where. Correction. I do. I could recall this. So the third movie is the one where he's about to retire. That's he's, the big. He's yeah, retiring per, all of them. Yeah. Per, but like, that's the one that like sets that trope. Cause then it's like every other movie, like, you know, that's the cool part about the lethal weapon movies is they, they, I don't want to say they invent, but they really define the like buddy cop comedy sort yeah. of genre, um, and definitely like that like week away from retirement thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So now but I, I can I can do a little bit of recalling here. I, I the most I recall about this, and I'll let you take a stab then after it, is that this one they're particularly after a ex-cop who's like an arms dealer yes and it ends up somehow with an internal investigation and that's where renee russo comes in 
Um, yes. Joe Pesci's character showed up, I think, in the second movie, and he's just like back. And then in the fourth movie, he's just like back again because for some reason he's like friends and helpful to them now. Yes. But like she shows up because she's like in like an IA yeah. person. So, so the first movie, you just have the, the two buddies, you know, well, the, becoming friends. The second movie, uh, Mel Gibson's character has the love interest. I think she's like Australian or English or something like that. And the bad guy in that movie kills her by drowning her. This movie... Mel Gibson is afraid to get involved because both of his former loves were murdered or killed in some capacity. And and yet he still falls in love with Rene Russo, who, yes, is like an internal investigations person investigating uh, rigs for like his mental state. (laughs) Which is fair. (laughs) Because at the beginning of the movie, there's, I believe there's a guy who's going to jump off the roof of a building and and Mel Gibson's character, Riggs, like grabs the guy and jumps off the building with him into like a big inflatable thing. He's, You're crazy, man! You're crazy! <laughs> or something like that. Um, but yes, there is a whole thing about an arms dealer who used to be an ex-cop and they figure out it's an ex-cop um, there's, I believe this is the same one where they're doing construction in, uh, you know, you went from not being able to remember this at all to remembering quite a lot of it. Yeah. You're reading the Wikipedia. No, I'm not. I swear I'm not. There's, there's an entire scene where I think, um, Danny Glover's character, uh, I forget it. Oh, blank on his name all of a sudden. Murtaugh. Murtaugh. Uh, they're, doing, yeah, they're doing some sort of construction like in his house, like building an extension on the second story and they fight some guy and they kill him with a nail gun and they shoot his head like through the stud or like that. Why does um, it always end up back at his house? <laughs> I don't know. It always ends up at his house. And then the, are you sure that's that? Or was it the, cause the second one's at his house on the toilet. Did they really end up back at his house again? Somehow? There's several times it happened at his house. Yes. The, the, the end of the, like, I know his family is like always on the line and it's like, but, just retire and get out of there. Already. The, the end of the first movie, he, uh, Riggs fights Gary Busey on the front lawn of, of Murdoch's house. Amazing. Um, and they let, they let each other duke each other out in the rain. But the end of this movie, I believe takes place on some sort of giant, residential construction site and they either kill the guy by by dumping like a ton of bricks from a backhoe on him or like drown him in like cement of some sort nice i think (laughs) that's all i got and then the fourth movie we get uh chris rock to come in who has secretly been in love with and had a relationship with Murtaugh's daughter, got her pregnant, and Murtaugh doesn't know it, and and in the end he finds out, and they have this whole to-do about See, now the funny part for me is I remember the fourth one the least of all, and I almost wonder if either A, I just only saw it briefly a really long time ago before I had a really good grasp of who Chris Rock was, or B, just plain never saw it, because like... <laughs> The fact that you just mentioned that he's this, I'm like, I don't remember him being in that. 
Well, there's this a whole the thing where night in podcast history, <laughs> where where Renee Russo's pregnant, I that, and that. I, I, I did, yes, reference. I did, yes, it was a good reference. Yes, it was good. Um, Renee, Renee Russo's character's pregnant. Murtaugh's daughter's pregnant. Murtaugh wants to kill whoever got her pregnant and finds out that it's a cop, and then finds out that it's Chris Rock's character because he thinks Chris Rock's character is secretly in love with him and wants to be with him. Nice. And, and then there's this entire sequence, which is one of my favorite Joe Pesci scenes in the fourth movie, where he's like, you know, they're f***ing you with the phone. They f*** you with the phone. They f*** you with the phone. <laughs> you know, you're, you're trying to place an order. You know, you got to use a room. Four. Five. I f***ed up. Four. It's fantastic. Yeah. So anyway, that's my entire Lethal Weapon knowledge. I'm sure somebody on social media will blast me that I had some of the facts mixed up in some of the. I'm sure. I, <laughs> well, I we'll we'll sort it out obviously once we get around to the actual review of this. So, in the meantime, how about we take a look at the preview review? excited i have to cue it up i'll oh, count us down three two one Ooh, the bomb already <laughs> yep which wire i wonder which movie originates the which wire to cut the oh i really want to know it's the blue wire it's the red how do they how do they start a trailer with a bomb? i forgot about these movies with the little burning fuse yeah the burning fuse is great Did you just love Mel Gibson's hair, though? He's got that fantastic insane feathered hair. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's oh. a shame he turned out to be a lunatic. Yeah, <laughs> the entire trailer is this bomb. Like, I, I feel like we're forty Grab seconds in, and the bomb is. The- That's it. They're not even going to defuse it. They just blow. Them. <laughs> oh, this is the one where they actually really did blow up a building that was going to be condemned, and they filmed it. Really? Yes. The movie studio really blew it up because it was. I mean, obviously, yeah. This doesn't look like a mini, really. Lethal Weapon Three. He's got run. Yeah. He's, he's running, shooting guns. Boop, 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 boop. Look at that blonde hair on I Joe know, Pesci. it's so weird. Oh. <laughs> I wonder whose idea that was. It's not a good one. You haven't even... I was going to say, you just haven't seen Rene Russo yet. This is such a strange trailer. Like, it's like... It's basically like, all right, reintroduce Riggs and Murtaugh, show them for 30 seconds. Reintroduce Joe Pesci, show him for 30 seconds. Introduce Rene Russo, show her for 30 seconds. Now just random clips. Oh, <laughs> this is when he drives the motorcycle off the bridge. Yes. Yeah, what is that hair? I think he had it like a ponytail or something there. That is not a good 90s ponytail. (laughs) 
<laughs> wow. And by the way, when that just finished, the first actually, you know, it brings up the grid of, of next uh, clips to click on. And three out of the 12 are Johnny Depp and Amber Heard related. <laughs> no, that's funny. Stop it. <laughs> I will say that was a pretty good trailer, though. I, I'm a little, I'm a little I don't know. That was like, I mean, yes, but like it was like. It was kind of heavy-handed. Like it was sort of like it feels thrown together, but it's sh- and like long wind. I've never seen a trailer that has long-winded scenes in it. Like just the kinda- word I have in my head is inorganic. It seemed to me like they were just like, all right, this is the section with the two guys. This is the section with this guy. Is it <laughs> like it's like it was just weird. And then by the end, it was kind of getting more into like the the normal sort of thing. Yeah. But interesting. I- I am excited to watch it now. I'll tell you that much. That yeah, I, I'll be curious to see this again after all this time too. Um, so um, I mentioned last time some in development news. I've got some more this time. Yes. So this I is a little bit of older that. news, but um, it was somewhat new to me as I was, um, you know, getting the trailer and things ready for tonight. Mel Gibson announced late last year that he's in talks to direct and star in the fifth Lethal Weapon movie. Possibly titled, not surprisingly, Lethal Weapon 5 or Lethal Finale. It was already being developed by Richard Donner and Richard Wenk of equal of The Equalizer before Donner passed away. Um, and Mel Gibson said of Donner, he was developing the screenplay and he got pretty far along with it. And he said to me one day, listen, kid, if I kick the bucket, you will do it. And I said, shut up. He did indeed pass away, but he did ask me to do it, and at the time I didn't say anything. He said to his he said it to his wife and to the studio and to the producer. So I will be directing the fifth one. So there you go. Um, this was as of November twenty one. I have heard nothing about it I've moving heard. along now. I tried to look up some more information and I didn't see anything, but it seems like it's still in the works. It's not yeah. canceled and it's not necessarily coming out anytime soon. So. Who knows? 23, 24. Maybe we get Lethal Weapon 5. We'll mm-hmm. see. All right. So let's bring this puppy into the station. Um, I've got uh, – you look like you've got something to say. <laughs> I want to do the big movie quiz for me. Yes. But I, but I recently learned of a trivia question that I want to see if you know it. Okay. So let's let's do that then. I'll get my little decks over here ready. I think we do action movie tonight. And in the meantime – you hit me with your your quiz question and see if okay. I can pull okay. it out of the ether. There have been several actors whom have had two movies in the same year that were the number one movie. But there are only four actors who have had three movies in the same year all ranked number one at the box office. Can you name any of those four. All right. So let me have you run this by me again. So there's, what'd you say? Two actors. So, so there have been several actors that have had at least two movies that are number one in the box office. All right. So the criteria is they have to have two four. movies that no. in a year. No. Or at the but exact same time. There's only four actors that have ever had three movies in a given year. That were all number one at the box office. Four actors, three movies. Can you name any of the four actors? Um, Tom Holland? No. Really? Because I was thinking maybe he'd be in like a Spider-Man Avengers, Avengers sort of. 
Someone of that franchise, though, is one of them. Uh, if I had to guess past that, maybe Chris Hemsworth? Chris Evans? <laughs> Chris something? <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson. Okay, all right. Yeah, I guess I'm not surprised by that. Man, that guy's got quite a uh, quite a roster going. And there's three other actors. Um, actors or actresses at all in this? Actors. All actors. Hmm. Um, let me ask another. This is like the 20 questions part of this. Are they relatively recent or do you, do these sort of happen all throughout time? Because maybe another one I would guess would be like Leonardo DiCaprio, but that would be like older movies. Um, some stem back to the 90s, but some stem to more recent times. Um, hmm trying to just like run through my head who else i'm uh, shocked i'm shocked you haven't gotten at least one of them i mean there's a part of me that would say johnny depp given all that we've been discussing tonight with him between like i'm trying to think of like i'm like the way i'm trying to parse this is like what are big movie franchises that have done big money that might have like other movies where the people are in it in a year and i'm like who are these people? <laughs> I will. I will give you one if you if you wish. Would yes, like. l- let me hear it. <laughs> uh, one of them is Liam Neeson, and the movies that he had that year were The Gray, The Dark Knight Rises, and Taken Two in 2012. See, I don't think. I mean, I actually saw The Gray, and I actually quite liked that movie. But I don't think I would have realized that that was I, like that's the hardest one. That's big the box hardest. office. That is um, the hardest. One. Now, the Taken other, Two, I'm not surprised by. What was the third one? The Dark Knight Rises. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that makes sense. I'm surprised The Gray did that well. The other two actors, one is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Okay, yeah, I definitely should have guessed that. <laughs> Why didn't I guess that? Yeah. And the first actor ever to do it was Jim Carrey with Dumb and Dumber, Liar, Liar. Oh, that makes the, perfect uh, sense. No, no, Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, and Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. Yeah, that makes sense. Interesting. Huh. There you go. There's your fun fact, folks. <laughs> All right. Who was, I'm, who was, I'm, oh, yeah, Samuel L. Jackson was for the Avengers one. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so hopefully... I th- whenever I go through these cards, I'm, my hope is that I always put a um, the card from the last time at the back of the pile so I'm not asking the same question again. So if it sounds like the same question again, feel free to let me know. So again, we usually do best of six and see how many you can knock out of that number. Okay, I'm ready. I Don't Want to Miss a Thing was the theme song for which 1998 action film? Ugh, Armageddon. Okay, what's the other fun fact about this song? That I hate here's the, this here's song? The, here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the friendship fun fact. Uh, Aerosmith was my first concert I ever saw. <laughs> um, is that your wedding song? It is our wedding song. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. This was um, – one of the first movies Ange and I saw together and we kind of like glammed onto the, uh, the song cause it very much described mm-hmm. our long distance relationship. So a little shout out to that song there. And you just said that you hate this song. So. 
you. <laughs> what is the first film in the James Bond series? Speaking of all the James oh, Bond movies. It's tough. Dr. No. You got it. Very good, sir. Uh, all right. So that's two for two, right? Yeah. yeah. What was the name of Charlize Theron's character in Mad Max Fury Road? Furiosa? Exactly. Oh, I, I love that movie. Yeah. Just reading this off that card makes me want to go back and watch that again. It's a good movie. Um, which country is it the 2000 film Battle Royale set in? First of all, have you seen Battle Royale? This is um, a movie that predated Hunger Games, but um, most people know Hunger Games over this because it was more Americanized, but um, it's it's very much in the vein of the exact same sort of uh, idea. I, have, I don't know Battle Royale. I don't know this movie. Okay, this was uh, a movie from Japan, so uh, it takes place in Japan. But <laughs> um, it's uh, it's kind of a cool um, premise if you're into, I guess, the sort of Hunger Games-esque type of genre of people trying to survive in a crazy environment. But it's basically like a bunch of, like, I'm pretty sure high school students kind of just get, like, thrown onto an island and, like, they have to kill each other to survive. Um, Lord of the Flies. <laughs> yeah just like um but like with like a game aspect to it mm. like where they've they don't really know why they've been put there okay oh, lost. Uh, yeah <laughs> lost. so yeah exactly three out of four so that's not too too shabby so far which continent is the thing set in um continent i want to say well back then it, the arctic circle was not considered a continent but i would say antarctica it is Antarctica, um, although the Arctic Circle is north. Yes, but the Arctic Circle is now considered a continent. Is it? Then it was not. Only Antarctica was. I'm calling bullshit. <laughs> I got to look it up. I've not heard a thing about a new continent. Is the Arctic Circle a continent? No. <laughs> I Google it and it just says no. <laughs> I swear. Oh my God. I got a screen cap. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Is the Arctic Circle continent just straight up says no. <laughs> like I'm so used to all these. Th I mean, maybe it's like its own plate like or something like that. I but swear I heard recently that they said that they did. Oh, you know what? I'm I'm mistaking it. They're saying that there's another another ocean now. There's a, there's another ocean. Look, like oh, I think there's like an Antarctic Ocean. I think that's what I'm mistaking. Interesting. It. Well, I, <laughs> I I love that. I love that this was a Google result that just straight up says no, <laughs> like big big bold letters. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's fabulous. Yes, All right, so I, um, my my mistake was that recently they have said. There's a fifth ocean. So there's the Atlantic, gotcha. Pacific, Arctic, and now Antarctic Ocean. That Fair was enough. Mistake. Okay. Fair enough. Listen, trolls, I corrected myself. It's all good. That gave me a good laugh. So <laughs> end of the day, it was well worth it. All right. If you can't answer this one and get five out of six, then you got a problem. Who is the alter ego of the Incredible Hulk? Bruce Banner. There you go. All right. So that is uh, five out of six. So I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of uh, 
softballs. That was, <laughs> those that was an easy one. This uh, this month, um, but that's all right. It's okay. We get some some positive answers in there too. Okay, just to clarify, who is doing the notes for this movie in May? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So all right. So again. As you just had to go back and re-watch this movie twice and do it, that would mean it's my turn. <laughs> okay, good. I just want to put it on the record. Yes. Um, the way things are trending is the odd months are me, the even months are you, unless we do one of those weird switcheroos we did last year, which didn't seem to work out for either of us. No, it was like three months in a row of us just getting hell. Like, you didn't get hooked, but yeah, you had to do a whole lot in a row. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap things up for us. Michael, tell them how to get in touch with us. So if you'd like to chat with us, you can easily go to many of our social media channels. You can find us at Box Office 30 on Facebook and Twitter and Box Office T-H-I-R-T-Y on Instagram. We get a lot of communication through Twitter, and Pete's really good at responding. I am really slow to respond, but kudos to Pete for doing that. You can also go to our Box Office 30 website, which is boxoffice30.com, and see all of our back episodes. We're still working on our bios and getting some content up there for that. But, but like, if you want to listen to any of our back catalog, boxoffice30.com. Yeah, it's still a little bit of a work in progress there, but I'm doing really good about adding new episodes at least. <laughs> I got to figure out if there's a better way to actually like automate um, how the stuff shows up on there. I should really ask uh, Jason and Mickey how they uh, have their setup or if they, I think they might even just be manually putting that in, which by the way, if so, because I know Jason very often says to me, like, I got your stuff set up for the site. Bravo. Like that's a lot of work adding this stuff, like not only over on transistor and everything and maintaining their own podcast, but apparently adding links for everybody else's podcasts on the site there too, which leads me to, we want to thank Jason and Mickey and the Retro Network, as usual, for hosting our show and apparently for also spending all that time posting all of our um, episodes because now that I'm sitting there trying to do it back on my own site here, it's just like, oh, lots of work. So good <laughs> on you guys. <laughs> uh, you can also check out our T Public store where you can buy some merchandise with the Box Office 30 logo on it. I promise one of these days I'm going to come up with some other design to throw on the stuff there. We have to have something. we got to come up with like some catchphrase <laughs> or something that we can throw on there. I know I saw um, Adam over on Wizards recently posted a pretty cool um, new design, I guess, or, or pre-existing design that hadn't been available before. Um, but it, it looked pretty good. So, um, he did, I think so. <laughs> I don't remember. I mean, none of us ever sell anything on these things anyway, but it makes us feel good that we uh, think yes. that we can. <laughs> All right. That's going to wrap it up for this week. We will be back in two weeks with our review of lethal weapon three. In the meantime, have fun and we will see you soon. Bye, friends. Bye, everybody. I got nothing this week. <laughs> <laughs> Too old for this shit. Yeah, exactly. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.